Hello and welcome to Project Zion Podcast. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and today is another episode in our Holy Ground series where we discuss spirituality, spiritual practices, and how spirituality connects with faith in the everyday aspects of life in today's world. Today, our guest is Apostle Mareva M. Arnaud Chang. Mareva was ordained as an apostle and member of the Council of Twelve Apostles at the 2013 World Conference. She is assigned to the Pacific Asia Mission Field, which includes the Australia Mission Center, East Asia Mission Center, French Polynesia Mission Center, Pacific Islands Mission Center, and the Philippines Mission Center. Mareva has also served as financial officer and president of the French Polynesia Mission Center and was counselor to the president of the Quorum of High Priests. Mareva is a native of Tahiti, French Polynesia. Welcome, Mareva. We're so glad to have you with us today. Mareva, we would love to get to know a little bit more about you and your family and how you came to be a member of Community of Christ. So tell us just a little bit more about all of those things. So my name is Mariva Arnaud Chong. Excuse me. I was born in 1968 in Tahiti in a family of seven children. But at my birth, I was adopted and recognized by a couple, George and Christian, who are my parents. They are members of the, of the church. My father was a missionary and an employee of the local church. And by their example, by affiliation, through education, it was like a thread in a noodle. Mm-hmm. Yes, like I a thread in a needle. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that I was baptized at the age of 10. I am married to uh, Munanui. We have three daughters, Hiriatan, Hiatan, Ariyata. We don't have to remember all their names. Three sons-in-law, and all the children are between uh, 31 and 24 years old. And today we have two grandchildren, Ari Inhurae and Mariva. And I live on the island of Tahiti, uh, the capital island of French Polynesia. And I have been working for the church for 20 years now. And before working for the church, I worked in one of the most popular fashion and sex shops in Tahiti. Uh, but I can say I like to garden, to read, to do activities on the water, especially boogie boards and surfing. And I speak two uh, languages fluently. Uh, Tahitian is the first one, French, the second one. I learn English in college and I'm doing the best I can. (laughs) (laughs) And I can understand a little bit of Spanish, which I also studied in college. I think uh, 
that's enough. <laughs> you do very well, very well. In my recent trip to French Polynesia, um, I was asked to facilitate a class and I of course taught that class in English because I do not speak French or Tahitian and Mareva was my interpreter and so she was just keeping up minute by minute second by second with Haitian no excuse me not Tahitian and French and we had a PowerPoint in French and we got it done but Mareva was the miracle worker <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So you grew up in a family that was already members of Community of Christ. You were 10 years old when you got baptized. So the church, Community of Christ, has been part of your life um, for as long as you can remember. How would you describe your faith journey as you grew, grew from childhood to young adult and to now, we know seasons of life can be different in our discipleship as we grow. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, my faith was unconsciously, I think, shaped by my parents, my education at home and in church. Uh, as a child, I never asked myself questions. Never, never, never. Education in a Polynesian family uh, it made it obvious that on Sunday we go to church. No question, it's the way it is. Mm -hmm. And so when I was a child and a young person, going to church or uh, being in the church activities um, is part of my life. And I was in the choir, was in the sports club of the congregation, participating in a children or youth camp. It was natural, uh, maybe like kind of required natural. Uh, I mean, I was in the mood like all children at that time, uh, an innocent faith. But that innocent faith developed naturally through the love of my parents, the joy you feel when you are surrounded of a big family. And we have to know that here in French Polynesia, at that time, 99% of the population were Christian. Mm. Completely embedded in a religious Christian faith all around, everywhere you go. It's like that. All was closed on Sunday in the past because everyone went, all the people were in church, it, different churches, but everyone were in a church, went to church. So my faith was, I think, naturally growing. In 98, I think, I started working as a volunteer at the Mission Center office. And being at the, the church office encouraged me to attend more deeply in classes and time to learn deeper about Jesus, about mission, about the church, because in the past, uh, my faith led me in the choir. I was just singing and I was happy. It was enough for me. I was in the spot of the church. It was, it was enough for me. 
but I did not really understood. I did not really understand what's happening. But during that time in my youth and young adult time, I began to learn and I began to have a faith doubting about, doubting about everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I raised the opposite. I was raising a lot and maybe, uh, maybe too much, maybe too much questions to myself first and to everyone. And that, there was even a period when I got deeply involved in the knowledge of my culture. And the more I read about missionaries and their practices long, long, long time ago here, the more I became anti-everything, <laughs> anti-colonization, anti-Christian. I was thinking a lot and seeking. Each time I looked for more, each time I was troubled, and each time my faith, strangely, in God, grew up. And is still growing and always growing. So I, I believe my, my journey of faith is not stop, does not stop here. And I hope, I know I will discover more about my faith journey. As long as I've known you, Mareva, and I met you in the Community of Christ Seminary, which I started attending in 2003. So it it was between 2003, 2007 that, that we first met. But as long as I've known you, you have been um, a living example of a disciple that continues to learn and grow and deepen your faith and uh, your expression of ministry. It's an inspiration. Thank you for sharing all that with us. It sounds like like you had quite uh, an active childhood uh, in the church, as you say, um, it was a natural extension of the context of your culture that was 99% Christian and your family was faithful in their attendance, that you were engaged in a lot of different activities as a young person. And Mm -hmm. uh, in your college and growing years, um, going deep and learning about not just the, our church, but learning about the history of French Polynesia and the early, early missionaries and going through what many young people go through, kind of that idealism and being anti-everything, <laughs> as you say, um, but, but always seeking that intrinsic quality you have to just seek and search. Um, and connect with your growing faith. Wonderful. I'm sure many listeners can connect with your description of that. So you started volunteering at the Mission Center office in 1998. And before we go on to learn more about your history with spiritual practices, can you tell us a little bit about kind of the timeline of, of your engagement as far as leadership. So 1998, we're volunteering in the Mission Center. Did you hold priesthood at that time? No, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, 
I I don't know what happened. I I'm still I don't know well, whatever. I don't know what happened at that time. Um, I was volunteer as a receptionist. Okay. Answering at the phone call, you know, like at the temple. Yes, yes, <laughs> the, yes. Uh, when I came back from a world conference with a group of young adults of my congregation, and I was completely transformed. I heard a testimony from an African brother, and my and my my husband today. We were not married at that time, even, mm-hmm. and we were, we were we were questioning about our life. It was a nice life, really nice life. Mm-hmm. And we heard, we heard this this brother from Africa sharing his life, and we said, "My my God." <laughs> Mm-hmm. We were completely outside of what what God is asking us to do, and so I came back. I volunteered with the, with the permission of Mundani to be uh, to work. It was normally two times per week, and I stayed all week. And after the mission center president, uh, one year no, few months later, asked me if I can assist in the bishopric. Here mm-hmm. and it was counting the little coins mm-hmm. when the when, when the pastor come with the money. I was counting the little coins mm-hmm. and after doing copies and I was employed at that time. And after that, uh, after Smith was assigned here as a theologian for education, and uh, I assisted him. He needed an assistant at the temple school. And when he left Tahiri, French Polynesia, I replaced him. Mm-hmm. And I became the counselor for the MCP at that time. And I became the MCP and the financial officer later. And uh, when were you first ordained to priesthood? I was ordained uh, as an elder, uh, I can't remember the date, but I remember the time when my pastor came to me and said, I was working at the mission center and married mm-hmm. <laughs> after that. Uh-huh. And, said, and he said, Mariva, after many uh, nice words, uh, you are called to the priesthood. And I was shocked. Uh-huh. The first thing I said is, you know that I'm dancing. Mm-hmm. Because I was dancing in the traditional Tahitian group, traditional, mm-hmm. and at that time it was not allowed. Not not allowed. It was it was the beginning of opening dance in the church, mm-hmm. but not really not really accepted by all. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh. and so I accepted to be ordained as an elder. Voilà. and after I was ordained as a high priest. I think you became mission center president. Uh, before before. Right. All right. And now you serve in the office of apostle. Did you ever serve in the office of bishop or it was high priest? No. Okay. Okay. Great. Inquiring minds want to know. We always ask all kinds of questions. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Now we're ready to dive into our topic of spiritual formation and practices. In your time as a follower of Jesus Christ, and you look back on that time, how did you first learn about or discover spiritual practices? I discovered spiritual practices without knowing that it was a spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. um, here, when we have worship in the church, especially when you go on islands, other islands than Tahiti, because the church is everywhere on islands, especially when you go on these islands, they have a kind of organizing worship. There's always something different. Let me show you an example. I remember one day I was in a camp with youth, long, long time ago, and we were walking at, four, uh, at half past four in the morning Ooh. in the village um, with a pyjama and our uh, blanket, it was mm -hmm. cold. And we were walking maybe for 20 minutes to go at the end of the island and to worship in front of the rising sun. Ah, the rising sun. Mm -hmm. Rising sun. And for us, it was not normal, but it was a way to worship. We never thought that it was a spiritual practice. Yeah. And uh, after we heard more and more about this spiritual practice. And today I, I am more intentional and uh, I'm learning uh, other ways to do, ways to do, even though I'm still keeping the one I used to do in the past. Yeah, it's having visited um, French Polynesia a couple times, it felt to me that the culture of the people incorporates spirituality in a way that is just naturally a deeper connection with spirit mm -hmm. and the integration of spirit and physical um, naturally occurring. So are there other ways that your culture and context have impacted your understanding of spirituality as you've, um, experience the, the church really raising our awareness and teaching us things? Um, the church in the Polynesian culture in the past was covered by colonization culture uh, and enveloped by other traditions. And so, being young, my spirituality was more influenced by what the church culture teach me, taught me. But over time, it has developed and enriched through a growing understanding of the, the gospel, of course, mm -hmm. the church. But also today, we are more and more claiming our Polynesian culture. Today, something real and contextual who impact my life 
my understanding of spirituality. Mm -hmm. But I see spirituality in a tattoo, for example. You, you see spirituality in tattoos? In a traditional tattoo, uh -huh. I can see, I can, if I understand the symbols of that person, I, I think that that can be extra spiritual for me too. Yes, I see yes. uh, spirituality in the ocean, uh, in the a traditional dance. We, we need to understand that in the past, there was a time where we were not allowed to speak the Tahitian at school. Oh, okay. At the school or at church? At school. At school. At school. But the church continued to keep the Tahitian language and French language. But that's okay. it was French. It's like, that's why I said that the Polynesian culture was covered by other traditions. Mm -hmm. In the church, long, long time ago, not in our church only, in the Christian church, we were not allowed to have a flower on the ear. Ah. And so we had to, to adapt with what and mm -hmm. who we were. Mm -hmm. With this new understanding of especially in the community of course that's great we are a people of, with we are a people worth worthy that's the way worthy you worthy mm -hmm. yeah and uh we can see god in all colors in all culture and that makes a huge change in my understanding of spirituality. Oh, wow, for sure. As I'm listening to you, Mareva, I'm understanding that um, being colonized by the French and then in a way also colonized by missionaries or at least an overlay of uh, Christianity of the day was just pushing down the Polynesian culture and as life and community of Christ has evolved we know that we have grown and deepened in our understanding as a global church um, that God is calling us to embrace all cultures and to liberate people to express the gospel in their own language and um, rich uh, culture of the people where they originated and that that has, has actually been a, a big uh, plus in your understanding of spirituality. That, did I get that right? Yes. Yes. Um, I'm speaking only for myself. Yes, yes. And because that's the way I lived from my childhood till then in the with the steps of really not understand at all the Polynesian culture. Mm -hmm. I am a Polynesian. Um, I understood I understand the language in the I understood the language 
but not really going like in legends who are not really in the church. Legends, legends of Polynesian uh, legends and church was not really side by side in the past. Eh? Uh huh. Uh -huh. Something tattoo was out of the church. Dance was out of the church. Too much flowers were on on you was out of the church. Right. There was different things. And so spirituality, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm saying spirituality was different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But today we can see in society and we can see also in the church that we are claiming to have universal, of course, um, parameter the same for the world, especially in the church, but also being recognized as um, as being Polynesian yes. with our own own understanding, own aspect of life, own history. <laughs> yes, I'm glad that we're in a different place now of of understanding and embracing yes. all of that together. In your growing, evolving sense of spirituality. What spiritual practice do you use to best connect with God, with the divine, and, and why, why does that work for you? So the spiritual practice to connect me the best is when I am on the water or in the water. That's mm. me. Mm. But, but, um, I don't really take the opportunity to do that one. So the one I, I, the second one who connects me the best is uh, when I sit on the ground, you know, on the ground, on the grass, or on the, on, on the dirt, uh, but on the ground, connection with Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like to read text uh, several times, and most of the text, come from the Bible, or other books come from hymns. And I choose the text and the book uh, according to my most, my, my mood. <laughs> I like uh, to uh, close uh, eyes, to focus on the silence of the sounds of life, and, uh, and let the spirit or the text act in me. And when I did that, there were times when I ended with a completely new of the text of, of life. But I like to be connected with the water or with the, the earth, okay, the mother mm -hmm. earth. <laughs> mm -hmm. So if you were going to guide someone in a spiritual practice, uh, what might you suggest for someone either as a description of that step-by-step -step for them or even uh, leading us through that now with you as we listen? So let, let me try something. Sit uh, properly. 
and breathe calmly. And put your hands on your legs or on your knees. Your hands palm up to the sky, open to the sky. And take just a few seconds to think about what your hands have done for you in recent days. How your hands were blessings for others. And inside of yourself, Pray, saying, Lord, let my hands be yours and be blessing for your creation. So, after that, you can open your eyes. I did this, it's a short path. You can do the same with your feet, your heart, your eyes, your ears, your head, to reflect calmly about what your head, your eyes, did for you and how they can be a blessing they can be blessings for others reflect on that and, and pray God to to use you and your whole being for God's purpose that's a little example of of a spiritual practice, easy, and um, I think helpful for us. I love it. I love it. So as you were walking us through that, I, I closed my eyes and followed with you and even in a brief spiritual practice of opening and introspection review of how how my hands had been used in the past few days mm-hmm. and on through the practice it was it was a blessing to have those few moments of reflection and introspection that is perfect i love it one of the things I love about it is it's something that a person could do almost anywhere. 
everywhere, anywhere. Yes. Mareva, some of our listeners are new to spiritual practices. Do you have any tips for folks who might be trying out practices uh, for the first time, or even maybe this practice that you introduced today was the first time they've tried something like that? Any tips for people new to practices? I think we, we, I think it has to be simple and not too much thing to reflect on sometimes, especially for the beginning. Too much questions can destroy the concentration. That's what I think. Uh, it's possible to have spiritual practice like uh, in silence when you you pray in silence in yourself, but also if it if it's useful to just speak out loud. Mm-hmm. If you are alone, that's uh, I think for the beginning it's really good. Being true to yourself. Uh, and just right. Because sometimes uh, don't, don't control. That's the thing I wanted to say. When we think too much, we are controlling our thoughts and our feelings. But just being true to yourself and and it's strange because when you are true to yourself, sometimes you discover things you never about and you cry and you laugh mm-hmm. no reason no reason and let the spirit touch and guide these are great tips great tips let the spirit guide be true to yourself also, for people who might be new to spiritual practices, can you tell us a little bit about how having a practice or doing a daily practice for you can impact your day? Mm-hmm. My day, like many of, of us, is full, often full of many things activities, things to think about, experiences of all kinds. And uh, spiritual practices allow me to intentionally listen myself and to take a time to make a connection with the spirit. I know the spirit is everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. But that's my time to connect with the spirit through the, the search for the divine in myself or um, each time and I'm opening myself more to like the light uh-huh. and I'm more uh, calm, <laughs> I'm more serene, serene, that's the way we say it. More calm, and, but what was the other one? More calm and more? Like serenity. Oh, serenity, more serenity. Yes. More strong, too. Uh-huh. That, for myself, I did that at the beginning of the day. 
that's my discipline. It's a discipline. Uh-huh. I believe that this has an impact on my relationship with, my, with the people I meet. That, that has an impact on the spirit that I share with those I meet on my path during the day. Uh-huh. And the spiritual practice has an impact on the thoughts and the decisions that I make. It's really helpful for, for me, for my development and for my, the harmony of my mind and body. Oh, I love that. It's, it's helpful for the yeah. development and harmony yeah. of your body. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That is great. You've talked a little bit about um, doing a group experience when, as a youth, you woke up really early in the morning on the island in, in pajamas and blankets. Everybody walked to the end of the island to be present and experience the rising of the sun. And you've also shared about individual experiences. Uh, how, how are those different for you and how do you find them meaningful in, in different ways? Are there different aspects of those that connect? Is there, is it easier for you one way or the other? Um, you know, spiritual practice comes and you take it as it comes. Ah. I think the spiritual practice alone or in a group is as powerful as the other. Uh-huh. It depends where you are in your journey and your need. But both are powerful. For example, doing it alone allows freedom um, in organization and you can be more focused on what you are and what you are called to do. As a group, um, the organization must be more communicative. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the effect of being in a group, I think, sometimes motivates. It's like a small candle, <clears throat> which when gathered together, increase the luminosity. Ah, so that's the, the, the image I had for a spiritual practice in a group. But there are times loneliness is what we need. I love the image of a single candle uh, in a group. We each bring one small candle, and when it's gathered together, Wherever you are, it increases the illumination of those gathered candles. But also mm-hmm. sometimes the need is, is to be alone to, to find that illumination. Mm-hmm. Are there any spiritual... I'm sorry, can you say that again? There is a quote... I just said, there is a quote who said, loneliness calls for the multitude. <laughs> loneliness calls for the multitude. <laughs> yeah. 
That's deep. That's a deeply profound quote. <laughs> Are there any spiritual practice that you've per personally find challenging or difficult to do? Understanding, and I think you kind of alluded to this earlier is be true to yourself and who you are um, mm -hmm. that not all spiritual practices are going to be a good fit are there some that you have found difficult or that you you have found not to be a good fit i think all from my personal experience all spiritual practices were great mm -hmm. the time where it was not working for me when i was not convinced it was when i was doubting about about many things and when i am asked to do a spiritual practice and i'm not ready to do it ah or I am when I I need I need to to agree. Yes. And sometimes to be convinced that this was the good time. This is a good time. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't know if it's if <laughs> if, it, if you understand. Yes. My I, I do indeed. I. I think there can be times when we're asked to participate in a spiritual practice or someone in the class is encouraging us on our own time, you really need to engage in spiritual practice. There can be times when there's a resistance inside of us that we're not in a place where we can be open to that or there are other reasons, even just needing to come to it at your own time that we're just not, we're not available in a way and that it's those times when it does feel like it's challenging or a, a, it becomes in a sense of more of a disconnect than a reconnect because we're just not in a place where we're open to that. Mareva, you are the apostle for many different nations and they have many different cultures and contexts. How do you see diverse people in your fields integrating spiritual practices into their daily lives as well as their life together as a congregation? So I see a, a big difference in numbers and in congregation. Um, I think the call from from CVZ in the past, uh, encouraging the church to use spiritual practices uh, had made a big impact on us mm -hmm. and in congregation. They are more intentional to include the spiritual practice, even though in different cultures, there are islands or countries it's easy for them, like closing the eyes, like all, all this reflection. For others, it was really hard. Ah. 
because closing the eyes for a few pictures is just not what we used to do then only in prayer and prayer is a spiritual practice but when you begin to ask close your eyes and reflect on and ask a question it's so hard for me mm -hmm. but I can see today in all these cultures in the field a huge improvement and in society, we see also eh, our young adults are really connected with spirituality uh, uh, in yoga, in uh, meditation, of course, so, uh, in different, different. Uh -huh. And so when they come, come to church, they come also with their experiences, and that's great. And adapt in a more like reflection about God, a reflection about the spirit, a reflection about your ministry, about your being, your well-being. So I see a big difference. Still need, still need to continue to work on that path. That is so interesting to hear. And one of the things that interests me that you said is that you're seeing in, across your field the uh, increased attention of young people to spirituality and awareness of that and even a hunger for that it it sounds mm -hmm. to me like that is something that's trending across humanity now because we see that in many nations um, all over the globe it's also interesting to hear you report the observation that president Beasy's call to the church for a spiritual awakening has had an impact. I see that as well in my field. Mareva, is there mm -hmm. anything that you would like to share with us today that I did not ask you about? A spiritual practice, it's a path. Um, it's a path we usually walk in small steps, but where each step uh, each step is a priceless gift. I realized uh, the value of this gift. And as, uh, as you nourish your, your body every day, uh, we are called to nourish also our, our soul with a spiritual nourishment. And there are no secrets. I think there is no secret to this. It's very, very important to devote time to study, to prayers, uh, but also to be really intentional, to discipline ourselves, to go, to go deep in meditation and in spiritual practices, to seek in the depth of us the answer of our being and of our call. It's important today. Especially when we have a lot of things happening in our lives. Challenges in the world and to be more efficient 
for 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 yourself and for helping supporting others we need to to be nourished to be strong in our mind and soul that is such a good reminder to us and also your reminder that it's especially important when we are busy when we are challenged when we have so much going on which can seem like the most difficult time to be intentional and yet and even counterintuitive and yet it's even more important in those times in many regards Madeva, are there any resources that you might recommend to our listeners to help them go deeper or discover practices? So I'm, I'm reading few books in French. Um, I'm watching a lot of movies or uh, videos about meditation <laughs> uh-huh. and uh, spiritual practices uh, uh, today and I'm reading a lot. I don't have specific and uh-huh. I go on the internet, I, can, I, I have few books and I still remember these books and I, well, I, I, there is a book uh, written also by Caroline Brock. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember the the title, but it was my first book about spiritual practice, and I still have it uh, for me, so I can have um, you can find different ways to do it, and it's not always the same. It's yeah. not a routine. <laughs> yes, there are a lot of things available to us now. Um, Carolyn Brock, who is a longtime minister with Community of Christ, and I believe was our first spiritual formation specialist employed by the church, did a lot of writing. So if you're interested, you can Google Carolyn Brock. Even go to seaofchrist.org and put in the search box Carolyn Brock, and you might be able to, I'm sure it'll pull up several different things. But I'm sure. Go ahead. I'm sure. I am sure that there are many uh, conferences about well-being, spiritual well-being. So if we have the the opportunity, mm-hmm. we just we just need sometimes to be take care. <laughs> sometimes it's extremist, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there are good uh, there are good conferences about uh, spirituality too. Yes, so look in your area for spiritual conferences or um, gatherings. Also, if you look at seaofchrist.org, Katie Harmon McLaughlin is doing several different online spiritual formation gatherings, so you can check that out as well. And we have a spiritual formation page on seaofchrist.org with all the latest information. Mareva, thank you so much for being with us today. We are doing this online. I just left French Polynesia late Saturday evening.
day before wow. last, and we just did not have opportunity to cram this into our time together and decided to do it online. So Mareva is very early in the day, and I'm a little bit later in my current time zone. So thank you, Mareva, for making time to share with us. A very special thanks to all of our listeners here on Project Zion Podcast. If you would like to hear more from people who actively practice spirituality in their lives, look for our series, Holy Grounds, in the categories list on our website, projectzionpodcast.org. This is your host, Robin Linkhart, and you are listening to Project Zion Podcast. Go out and make the world a better place. Until next time, goodbye.